0: What is going on everybody? Welcome back to the Three Point Threat Podcast. I am Jared Woodcox, your host. I will be joined here shortly over the phone by John Kiefer uh, from thejnotes.com once again. Excited for the three points we have for you guys today. Obviously it's the offseason for the Utah Jazz, uh, but we're going to start with point number one, um, You know, right in the thick of the Eastern Conference Finals. Give our thoughts on Cavs, Celtics, and Warriors, Rockets, how those series look so far and how we think they'll pan out uh, moving forward. Then, for point number two, I want to talk a little bit about what the Jazz need to do this offseason in order to solidify themselves as a top four team in the Western Conference. Uh, then, last of all, for point three, we'll branch out a little bit, look at some of the coaching hires that have taken place in the NBA, as well as touch on some other news across the league. So, without further ado, let me introduce John Kiefer to the show, and we'll jump right into point number one.
1: Point one.
0: All right, so once again, I'm joined by my J Notes colleague, John Kiefer. John, how's it going today?
1: It's going great. How are you?
0: Good. Glad to have you back on the show once again.
1: Yeah. always good to be here. I enjoy
0: it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of sad. We, we've had a long week without Jazz basketball. Uh, I know it's been hard for me. How about you? <laughs> um,
1: kind of hard, but this is my favorite time of the year. I secretly love the off season. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's obviously really fun when the Jazz are playing competitive basketball. They're in the playoffs, but... I don't know. There's just something about the draft and free agency that just excites me. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's still been pretty entertaining. It's true. It's fun to keep up with. You know, the top draft prospects, top free agent targets, all that. We'll get into that a little bit today. But you know, for point number one, John really wanted to talk about. You know, obviously the the top teams in the NBA are still playing. We're well in the thick of the conference finals. I just wanted to get your thoughts thus far on the conference finals. Obviously, as of this recording. Um, on Monday, we're recording before Game Four between the Cavs and the Celtics. But as far as what we've seen so far, John, what are your overall thoughts?
1: Um, I think there's two things that have stood out to me. The first is Golden State is just on another level than everybody else in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, heading into the series, Golden State-Houston, it really seemed like it was going to be close. And there have been times where it's been close. Obviously, Houston took Game Two, but I mean, it's just obvious that when Golden
0: State is focused. They are just head and shoulders the best team in the NBA. They're just so good. They're so dominant. Yeah. Um, And
1: I mean, it's it's amazing to see. It's impressive to see. I mean, sometimes, like, I know there was talk before the season that NBA basketball just kind of got boring with Golden State because it's just a foregone conclusion that they're going to win. But I just feel like they're going to be a team that 10, 20 years from now, we look back and just are in awe in telling our children's stories about how dominant this goal state team is yeah uh, they've been a joy to watch
0: yeah i mean i guess what are your thoughts as far as i mean do you like seeing a team be that dominant do you wish there was more balance or what are your thoughts on it is it good or is it bad i guess um, I think it's
1: just the pros and the cons of it. It's
0: yeah. it's good because it's fun to just see basketball played at its absolute best level. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, they really play the game well. They are intimidating on defense. They move well. They they speak. They communicate. They have long arms. They disrupt things. But then also on offense, we all know what they can do there. They have potentially three of the best three-point shooters of all time, and Curry, Thompson, and Durant. Um But then, yeah, it is a little frustrating sometimes when, I mean, last year, what was it, they didn't even lose a game until the NBA Finals against Cleveland, and then this year, I think they've lost one game in each of the three series so far, Yep. but even after this, it's only going to get easier after this, they beat Houston, and I feel like whether it's Boston or Cleveland, that matchup isn't going to be as compelling as this one that we have going on right now, so that is a little disappointing, so... I can see both sides to it. I I mean, nothing lasts forever, though. They're ultimately going to have to pay all these guys, and their team is going to break up because they just can't keep them together. So I say enjoy it while it lasts.
0: Yeah, no, you bring up some good points. And, you know, the, the thing is they do play a fun brand of basketball, you know, like personalities and all that to one side. Just talking strictly to the way they play the game, it's obviously very entertaining, very fast-paced, very fun to watch. Um, I would say that the, the, you know, as a whole, the Warriors play a more exciting brand of basketball, in my opinion, than the Rockets do. Um, I just, I don't know, I just feel like for me personally, and I think there's a lot of fans that agree with me, that it's just kind of bad for the competitive nature of the league, where we pretty much have known since day one. Maybe there was a few maybes in there where we thought, well, maybe this will happen, or maybe the the other thing will happen. But I think we've all pretty much known since day one that Golden State's going to win the championship and long-term, I just don't think that's good for the league. I mean, even if this keeps up for another two, three years, I think that you know if Golden State just keeps dominating their way to the finals, it's not going to be good overall for, for interest and things like that. And it's just kind of sad when you think about it, because like the Rockets worked their butt off through 82 games to get that number one seed, and then one game into the conference finals, it was like, poof, they've already lost home court advantage, and all that was for nothing. So, I don't know. <laughs> to me, it's just kind of frustrating, because you know that no one's going to stop the Warriors. It's just kind of inevitable. I wish that there was really someone that but could I keep mean? up with them.
1: There's always the thought that there's a reason we play the playoffs in May and we don't just hand the trophy to them at the end of the season.
0: Yeah. Um, Because you never know what could happen. We looked at it a couple years ago.
1: It seemed like Golden State, after their 73 wins, was just going to breeze through to the NBA finals and complete the most historic season in NBA history. But
0: then they got hurt. There were injuries that happened, and it threw off their rhythm, and then they met up with LeBron James and lost. So, Mm -hmm. I mean,
1: you play through, you see what happens. Steph Curry is already dealing with some injuries near the end of the season. Um, Thompson and Durant were both out with injuries. So, you never know at any time something could happen and throw us all through a loop. But I think the other thing that it made me think of is it's just going to create more super teams, too. Because in order to compete with Golden State, other teams are going to be in this – well, I guess let me rephrase that. It's going to be one of two things. You're going to get teams that completely tank because they know that they can't compete with those teams unless they rebuild. Or you're going to get people who are teaming up and we'll get like LeBron James going to Houston over the offseason, which is something that I could very much see happening yeah. so that they can compete with the Warriors. So I think it's going to be I think that's the biggest problem the league is facing right now, is you're not going to have a lot of teams in the middle who are competitive, because either people are going to say, well, we can't compete the Warriors, and they're going to be around for three years, so let's just dismantle this, start rebuilding now, so that when they have run their course, we'll be the next up-and-coming team, or you're going to see these super teams with four all-stars put together.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we saw that to some, you know, in some respect, this year. I felt like there were a lot of teams in the West that really did look to tanks. So that was kind of tough. And uh, I mean, you mentioned how there was the the 73 and nine year where we, you know, thought the Warriors would win it. Um, obviously they fell short because a few things didn't go their way. Um, then they added Kevin Durant to make sure that would never happen again. So, um, obviously, I mean, kudos to them for an awesome move and all that. Let's shift over to the Cleveland um a Boston series. Um, honestly, John, I don't know if, if you've changed your mind at all or not. But even though you know the the Celtics got up two zero, um, now they're up two one. I have not moved a, an inch. I still think Cleveland's going to win the series. What do you think?
1: I am on board with you. Okay. Uh, we will see what happens Monday night. Yep,
0: yep. <laughs> I think Cle- Cleveland has shown that they're probably the most inconsistent
1: team in the NBA. They go through stretches where they look like. They're just a dominant unit who could actually compete with the Warriors, and then they go through stretches where I'm shocked they made it through the first round. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. I was, I was looking over just some notes of Cleveland over the first couple games, and the first two games, Cleveland only averaged seven made threes, um, mm-hmm. which is amazing for a team that, in the year, I think they were top five offense during the regular season. Uh, but in game three, they made sixteen. So it really just depends what Cleveland team are we going to get because game two, I believe was the Bron James monster, like 42 point, did he have a triple double that game?
0: Yeah, he did, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 42 point triple double
1: and then Kevin Love also had 22 points and 15 rebounds. If you had told me going into that game that LeBron James would have a 40 point triple double and Kevin Durant, not Kevin Durant, Kevin Love would also have 22 points, 15 rebounds, I just would have assumed that Cleveland won, yeah. but they lost because I think Kyle Korver was the only other player who had over ten points, and he had all ten of those points in the first half. Yeah, so it's not going to be LeBron James' fault if they lose. Yeah, really. I mean, he needs that supporting cast.
0: It, yeah, it really comes down to the other guys, and I think we saw that in Game Three. You know, they always say your role players play better at home. Um, and and yeah, I mean, like like you said, it's going to depend a lot on uh, Game Four. I mean, honestly, if the if the Celtics go up three to one, I think that the Cavs are going to be in big trouble. I mean, you can never count out LeBron James until the elimination game is over. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's come back from that before. exactly, <laughs> yep. But I mean, if it is three one, then I'm going to start teetering a little bit. Um, but if the Cavs go ahead and tie this two to two, you know, I kind of go back. I've been saying this all week. Um, you go back to that first round series between the Celtics and the Bucks. I mean, the Celtics got up to 0 and then, you know, the Bucks responded by winning all their home games, eventually went to a Game 7 where the Celtics won, um, but if that same thing happens again in this series, and it goes to a Game 7, all of a sudden, you're playing LeBron James and the Cavs, that's a lot different than a Game 7 against the Bucks. so if it does go to that Game 7, which, you know, at this point, it looks like it very well could, um, my money's still going to be on Cleveland, so that's my thoughts there. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I, that was my prediction, I was talking to my
1: brother the other day about this, and I just feel like it's going to be a situation where the home team wins out, and in a Game 7, I will place my bet on LeBron James. I don't expect him to lose a Game 7 to Boston.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, cool. That's Boston's pretty young at some point. Maybe their youth will show forth. And I mean, a, a tough
1: Game 7 with that type of atmosphere, I would think that LeBron James, Kevin Love, and his team, who's been there before, would have the edge.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Well, that's kind of our good look there at the uh, the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's move back now and focus a little bit on the Jazz. Uh, for point number two, we're going to talk about how the Jazz can solidify themselves in the top four in the West. Point two. All right, so John, I think there's definitely an argument that could be had right now that the Jazz are the third best team in the West. I think, you know, after how they ended the season, how the playoffs went, there's definitely an argument there. Uh, but then again, you know, the Jazz aren't going to be the only team that looks to improve this offseason. season. Uh, You know, depending what Paul George does, what LeBron James does, you know, what other teams do in both trade and free agent agent market, excuse me, uh, there could be a lot of changes in the West. So I guess for point number two, you know, what do the Jazz need to do, you think, this offseason to hopefully stay top three, uh, but certainly solidify themselves as a top four team in the West? Let's kind of talk that through. What are your things you think the Jazz really need to do this summer?
1: I think it comes down to two main things. Uh, The first is just going to be shooting. They have to find a way to get more shooting on this roster so that they can compete with kind of the high octane offenses of Golden State and Houston. Yeah. Um, I mean, we saw it against Houston, even games where we played, I mean, not perfect. No team's going to play perfect. But even games where we just really put it all out there and had our, our best possible, best situation that we could have imagined you can still lose just because their offense is just too much to handle. Mm-hmm. I think the Jazz have to find a way to match up with that type of offense to generate more shooting on this team. Um, and we talked about it last week. There are shooters that are going to be available. Um, I mean, low-key, really gettable players in free agency that aren't going to break the bank to bring in. Um, I mean, you brought them up first, Glenn Robinson the third. The more and more I think about that, the more and more I think he is just a perfect fit for this Jazz team. He's not someone who's going to come and disrupt the chemistry. He's going to play good, solid defense. I think he would welcome and accept a role off the bench because even that is probably going to be more than he was playing with Indiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he can also shoot the three really well. Uh, So I think that's going to be... Option number one for the Jazz is just in free agency. They're not going to make any big splashes. Things are going to rock the boat, mess with the chemistry. Um, But just bench players, role players who can come in and shoot the ball off the bench. I think that's going to be my main key that I'm looking for the Jazz to accomplish this offseason.
0: Yeah, for sure. And kind of going back to what we talked about last week, I mean, the Jazz showed in that series against Houston that they had the defense to win the series. The defense is already there. They played well enough defensively to win most of those games. Um, but really didn 't have the the firepower and you know i 'm glad that i've 've won you over on on glenn robinson the again i 'm still i 'm still really high on him too because not only is he a shooter, but I feel like like you said he has the defense he can be a playmaker he can still develop um, but likewise, I feel like you 've really won me over on Joe Harris. Um, I like I like him as well. I think either one of those guys would be awesome as far as adding shooting. Um, you know, adding someone that's going to fit the mold of this team really well. Um, Gr three um, is a little bit more you know athletic and versatile than Harris, but then Harris's, you know just shooting is just incredible. So I think that both would be awesome. Um, the other yeah, and, one, oh, go ahead.
1: Well, just the one thing that I like about both of those players is they just mesh really well with the team and the culture. Uh, both of them. For you as players, you can play solid defense. So you're getting really good, capable shooters, but you're not sacrificing your defensive identity. And I think that's just the perfect fit for the Jazz.
0: Yeah. Then I don't know if you saw the recent piece by Ryan Aston um, on the Janos.com but about Bielitsa, how you know Donovan Mitchell met him, and it kind of looked like Ricky Rubio was trying to throw some you know um, some hints his way, and. We've seen how well this team has done because they all get along so well and they have this great chemistry and I think Bielitsa would be a great fit there. Um, there's a, th- a few things I like about him more um, than Harrison Glenn Robinson, mostly his size and the fact that he could be more of a stretch four. Uh, there's, also, there's also a few things I like a little bit less. Obviously, he's not as athletic. He's not as good defensively, um, but I even think Bielitsa from a chemistry and obviously the three-point shooting side, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting warmed up to him as well as being another guy that Jazz should really target. I'd say that GR3, uh, Harris, and uh, Bielitsa are my three main guys that I really hope the Jazz take a look at this summer. Yeah, I did read that piece, and I think he would be a good fit. Um, He's bigger than I thought. Yeah. I did not realize. Isn't he like 6'9", 6'10"? I think he's 6'10", if I remember right. But yeah, right in that range.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. Like, when I thought about him, I just assumed he was like 6'6". But (laughs) yeah, he's a big body. He could play before. Um, I think the only things that worry me about him is... He's definitely not a defense-first type player. He's a shoot-with-no-conscious type player. When he comes in, he's going to be launching threes, which he does well. I mean, he maximizes that role. Um, And the other thing is, I was just looking it up, I guess he's already 30 years old. I didn't realize he was that old either because it seems like he just came into the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, Just one of those European players who probably spent a lot more time overseas before he made the trip over here. Yeah. I mean, the Jazz could use a player like that, though. He shot 42% on catch and shoot threes last season. That's an incredible number with the Jazz ball movement type offense. That's the type of shots he's going to be getting. So I just think there's a lot of options out there for the Jazz, and I expect their primary focus to be getting shooting no matter where it comes from, whether it's a backup point guard, another wing player, or a stretch four. I don't think they care where they get it. But they know they need more shooting yeah. on this
0: team. Got to have it. Uh,
1: the other focus, I think, this offseason is just going to be player development. Yep. Uh, we talked about this last time, but if the Jazz do nothing and just bring everybody back, if they're healthy, how many wins do you think they can realistically finish with?
0: I mean, I, I mean, if they if they play like they did to close out the year or close to that. I think saying, you know, 50s is pretty pretty um, fair. I mean, 53, 54, I think that range is very fair. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they were healthy last year, just this last season, yeah. I think they could have got 53 to 55.
1: But then going into next year, I mean, Donovan Mitchell's only going to get better. He was a rookie. Uh, he's going to take strides. He's going to develop more of an off-the-bounce type game from three. Um, he's going to get smarter with the ball in his hands and setting up other players on his team. Rubio showed great growth in his shooting over the second half of the year. Dante Exum, if he's healthy for a whole off season and a whole season, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what strides he can make. I just, this team has a lot of players who have not reached their full potential yet, and that's what excites me about next year. Is no matter what we do in the offseason, if we don't bring anybody in, we should make strides um, and show great improvement.
0: For sure, and you touched on Ricky Rubio, and like honestly we hope he gets better from where he ended last year but even if he can play the way he did to end last year and sustain it throughout a whole season that in itself is going to be a huge improvement and i think you know rubio he's going to come into training camp confident comfortable obviously he knows the team now and i could see him obviously you know being a huge asset next year um the yeah, one i mean i so i wrote the season recap piece on Ricky Rubio yeah Um, And there were things that surprised me, numbers that he put up that
1: I really didn't know until I saw them. Um, So from the point where the Jazz took off and went on their incredible end-of-the-year run, I think it was January 24th, where they beat Detroit in overtime. Uh, From then to the end of the season, Ricky Rubio averaged 16 points a game and shot 42% from three. I don't think 42% from three is sustainable, but I do think he's shown that over the course of his season, he could up his scoring to probably 14, 15 points and shoot about 35, 36%, which would both be career eyes over a season. Yeah. I don't think that's a stretch.
0: Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, we talked about adding shooters. And, you know, if Donovan Mitchell himself can become one of those more reliable shooters um, as well, that's going to be huge for the Jazz. And then one thing that I think is huge, John, is that. Um, I know that this year a lot of it had to do with injury. I mean, ma- the majority of had to do with injury. But the past two seasons, Rudy Gobert has been significantly better in the second half of the season than in the first. Um, even, even this year, and I know a lot of it had to do with the new point guard, you know, having to play alongside favors. But even before he got hurt this year, he, he kind of got off to a slow start and the injuries didn't help anything. I guess my point is um, for the Jazz to really be spectacular next year as well. Rick, or excuse me, uh, Rudy Gobert has to get off to a fast start. He's got to start the season strong and just maintain, you know, a steady presence all throughout the year. We can't have this thing where he's decent in the first half of the year and then ramps it up after the All Star game. We got to have him being elite all year long. I think that's huge. Yeah, definitely true. I mean, health is going to be a big part of that. He needs to prove
1: that he can stay on the floor for more than. I mean, it'd be nice to see him be on the floor for 70-plus games yeah. in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that plays into why he's done so well over the second course of the year. Over the last couple of years, it's just without fail, it seems like he has those lower body injuries, which is tough. I mean, he's one, he's so long and lanky. it's just it's an easy target to hit his legs
0: and tweak me. An so mm-hmm. he'll need to work a lot of this offseason just to build his base and to get stronger so that he can really get to that fast start and remain healthy. Yeah, I do believe though um, that back in 1617, I think he only missed one game the entire year. I think he was able to play 81 games that year. Um, of course, the year before that, again he had injury oh, yeah. problems. No, 16, he did. That was
1: the year first game in the playoffs. He got hurt against the Clippers. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But so he of that, was, he was yeah, he
0: was healthy the whole regular season except for one game. I think he missed against the Thunder. And then yeah, of course, right into the playoffs got hurt. Had to deal with that. But yeah, I mean, if he can stay healthy the whole year. That's going to be huge. But that is.
1: So I have it up right now, though, and it's. you're definitely true about him starting slow. So 16, 17, the year he played 81 games. Mm-hmm. Pre-All-Star break, he averaged 13 points and 12.6 rebounds, 2.5 blocks. Mm-hmm. Post-All-Star break, he jumped up to nearly 17 points, 13 rebounds, and 3 blocks. So yeah. he definitely seems to be more of a second-half player over the course of the season.
0: Mm-hmm. And I I just think we'll need him the whole time. Then uh, last thing that I don't want to go into too much detail, John, just real quick um, because you and I will talk more about the draft as we get a little closer. Um, But I think if the Jazz can – I'm not saying they're going to get, you know, Donovan Mitchell 2.0 this year in the draft. But I feel like if they can get a guy that can be an impact player right away – For this season, that's going to be huge too. You know, Golden State's really shown you need to have three or four stars in order to compete in this league. Um, And and the Jazz have Donovan, you know, they have Rudy. Um, They may try to get another star in 2019. Um, But if they can get one in this draft, they can grow into that, or maybe they get their fourth star this year in the draft. I think that's going to be huge. I really hope they get someone that can be an impact player right away.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for the draft. I am actually working on a piece right now that's going to be um, five, three, and D type wings that project to be available around when the Jazz are drafting, but every one of them, if they landed it, I'd be happy about, because I think they can make an immediate impact. Awesome. Um, the player I'm most excited about, though, I don't know if you've read much up on him, is uh, K.W. Stiop out of Ohio State.
0: Yeah, Zach with the J-Notes wrote about him not long ago. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I,
1: I really like him. He, I mean, he's a little older. He was a senior, so he stayed all four years. So you're, you're getting more of a finished product. Um, which, if you're the Jazz, I think is good. Do you really want to spend time getting someone who's 18 years old that might not be ready to contribute for a few years? Um, but he, he's six eight, six nine, has a seven three wingspan, shoots the three pretty well, and plays really good perimeter defense. I just, if you want an NBA comp, think Otto Porter. Mm-hmm. I think he's very similar to Otto Porter. Um, if the Jazz could snag him, who? I think they would be getting. One of the most NBA ready players in the draft. I don't think he can be. I don't think he's a star. I, I think he projects more as just a perfect like third option on a team. So I think he'd be a great player for Utah Jazz and to keep your eyes on.
0: That's cool. Well, I'll look forward to seeing that piece from you, and I'm sure the rest of our, our listeners will as well. And then, um, you know, I need to dive in a little bit more on the draft too. I've actually planned to do that uh, this week as well. So it'll be fun when we get to that point and talk a little bit more about it. But Um, Now, you know, we've talked about the Jazz. Let's go back now for point number three, kind of look at the league as a whole. Um, A lot to talk about as far as coaching changes and some other news. Point three. Okay, last of all for point three, um, obviously we know there's been a lot of coaching changes so far. Um, Six new coaches have been named. Um, I think that, you know, obviously we know there's still going to be a few more, it's just Toronto, uh, that's looking to fill their coaching spot. So we'll see what happens there. But I thought, John, we could kind of go through each one and give our kind of quick thoughts, our quick impressions on these new coaching hires and how we feel about them. Um, How about we just start right away with uh, the Phoenix Suns and start with Igor Kokoskov? Yeah,
1: and obviously, as Jazz fans, we've become very familiar with him. Uh, They're getting a great coach. They're getting someone who is really good with personalities and really good with player development. And with a young team like the Phoenix Suns have, I think he was an excellent hire and It's one of those, like, you're sad to see him go, you love him to stay, but he's also so good that you want him to have those opportunities to advance and to take over a team, and show what he can do. Um, I was a little disappointed, though. I don't know if you listen to Bill Simmons much at all. Um, I'm a big fan of the Bill Simmons podcast, but he was talking about the hire of Igor, and he was making it sound like it's obviously – All to do with Luka Domkic. It has nothing to do with Igor. Um, And he made the point of, like, I mean, did anybody even know this guy was on NBA radar? And it just was so obvious that national media doesn't really
0: focus on the Jazz. Yeah.
1: Um, Because I think it's obvious. He's been an assistant coach for, I think, 17, 18 years now. Uh, He's done his dues, he's gone up through the league, um, and he earned this. Uh, Last year, he led Serbia. I believe he led Serbia to the Euroleague Championship game um and he has ties to phoenix he was an assistant coach there for five years um i, I think from like 2008 to 2013 before he came to the jazz mm-hmm. um so i think he'll be a great fit for that team it's it's rough to see him go but i'm excited for his opportunity and it'll be fun to see what he does with that number one pick
0: yeah and i mean i, I think you hit the nail on the head that you know obviously his jazz friends were a little bit biased uh, but we also know how good of a coach he is. That's not something that we've just manufactured. And I think he's been on a lot of radar as well before this year even and with his success coaching overseas and all that. Um, the next one, I'll, I'll jump in on this one first, is uh, um, you know Dave Fisdell over in New York. I actually think this is a really good hire. I think Fisdell's a good coach. I think that he had success in Memphis, uh, minus obviously the fallout there with Gasol. And you know, aside from with Mark Gasol, I feel like Fizdale is someone that the players seem to get along with. Um, I think he's smart. I think he's experienced. My biggest question mark with him is, you know, how much are the Knicks going to let him just do his own thing? We know that, you know, front office there, management there, has been a mess for years. Um, is Fizdale going to be able to actually operate and do things his way, or is he going to have a bunch of hands trying to tell him what to do the whole time? it be interesting to see what kind of opportunity he gets. Yeah,
1: definitely. What? I don't know. It feels like New York is kind of – changing and getting away
0: from that old regime and they'll give a little bit more of the reins to to Dave Fisdale. For sure. Um, I am excited for
1: him though that was I had the same thought as you I think he's a good coach when I looked at that Memphis situation I, I just feel like he and Gasol obviously were butting heads and as an organization they had to choose do we keep the coach or do we get rid of the franchise player and they chose the player and that's usually what happens. I don't know if I think it was the right decision to choose a 33-year-old aging star. I think Marcus All is a little bit past his prime at this point, and Fisdale had shown really good potential. Um, I mean, if you think about it, Marcus not this last season, but the season before, had a career here with his first year under Coach Fisdale. Um, so I think he has shown the potential to be a really, really good coach and to get players performing at their best. Um, I wonder how his personality is, if he's someone who's hard to get along with, and maybe that's kind of what led to this um, issue with him and Marcus All. So that'll be interesting to see how he can deal with the New York spotlight and media and uh, Chris stapps who already in the past, Portingas kind of showed some resentment towards the Knicks. I remember last year he didn't go through his like
0: final exit interview. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he can put together there. Yeah, Porzingis kind of butt heads a little bit with Hornacek too, so that'll be interesting. But then it seems like everyone in Miami loved Fisdale when he was there. So I don't know. It, it's hard to know a lot what goes on behind the scenes there. Um, Budenholzer, Mike Budenholzer going to Milwaukee. Um, I actually really like this one. I mean, I think that Budenholzer is a great coach. We saw that he really helped – um, the the Hawks be successful got them the number one seed that one year. Um, obviously, he still couldn't get them past LeBron. Um, most coaches obviously have struggled with that in the East, so I don't know if we can really judge him on that or not. But I think that he's going to bring a good culture there, um, and I can't wait to see what he does with with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the rest of the Bucks. Um, the Bucks obviously have some like shortcomings, but I think there's a lot of talent there that Budenholzer may be able to maximize better than the, than uh, Prunty or Jason Kidd could. Yeah, I really like Coach but I think that's
1: probably the the biggest hire of the offseason. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting question to think what is the benefit, What is the added like win value of a coach and a good coach? Yeah. Um, if you took the exact same team and just gave them a different coach, like how does that change? And I really do think he alone can raise Milwaukee maybe five to seven wins. Um, I was looking at with Atlanta um, a couple of years ago when he took on the Atlanta job. They surprised everyone by winning. 60 games, and I mean, the number one seed in the East, if you look at that team, they were number six defensively and number seven offensively. So he led them to top 10 in both offense and defense. They were just a very equal opportunity offense. They had no player in their starting five who averaged over 20 points, but they had six players on their roster who averaged uh, between 10 to 20. I just think that's going to be a great fit for Milwaukee, and he's going to be able to maximize that already loaded roster um, and get them playing their best.
0: Yeah, for sure. That was a fun Hawks team, too, by the way. I wish that they could have had a little more playoff success, but, yeah. Um then, yeah, I think
1: a lot of people forget. Like, I mean, They had a good offense. Obviously, he does. A, he's very similar to Quinn Snyder in their offense,
0: um, which they have ties together, so that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, thing people forget, though, is just his
1: defense. That Hawks team hung their hat on defense. And if you look at the Bucks with all the length and versatility they have on that roster, they are just – I imagine he's going to do things with that team and their defense and they're just going to be leaps and bounds better than they were last year.
0: Yeah, that's a good point I hadn't really thought of. I agree 100% though. Um, this one, to me, is kind of the most boring of the, of the picks, but J.B. Bickerstaff getting the head coaching nod in Memphis – um, I mean, I have nothing against Bickerstaff. I, I hope to see him do well, actually. Um, you know, there were it was kind of weird last year, John, because I felt like sometimes the Grizzlies showed some really good effort, and it seemed like Bickerstaff got a lot out of guys that, you know, most people had never even heard of before, um, got them playing hard. But they were also so obviously tanking that it's hard to know if, like, you know, if he was not doing a good job or if it was he was, you know, just not trying to win. I don't know. Just so many unknowns that make it hard. I'm going to be real interested to see what he does now that the team is completely in his hands. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, I, I think it, I, I think you're exactly right. Though it's not really an intriguing hire. Yeah,
0: it's kind um, of a safe hire, so right, but It's, it's a very special. safe.
1: He's well respected around the league. Memphis is an interesting team, though, because a large part of why they struggled last year was due to injuries. Um, and then heading into next year, they'll have a healthy Marcus All, a healthy Mike Conley. I don't know what the heck they're going to get out of Chandler Parsons, but maybe he's healthy. Yeah, uh, I mean they they already have the pieces to be a playoff team, and they have, I believe, the fourth pick in this year's draft too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they'll be an interesting team next year, but I don't really feel like he rocks the boat at all.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, then there's uh, James Borrego going to Charlotte. Um, I'll be frank with you. I mean, I I don't know a ton about him, uh, but I think if you're off the Popovich uh, coaching tree, you probably uh, know what you're doing. I think that goes without saying. I also think, though, that Clifford was a good coach. I was kind of surprised to see him gone so soon. Um, I guess I get it. Obviously, the Hornets have struggled for a while, um, but I really think that, that Borrego has kind of a tough task in front of him because Charlotte is just in a bad spot with a lot of undesirable contracts and guys that aren't really living up to what they're being paid, and it's hard to see them getting out of that rut without kind of going through an overhaul. Um, So hopefully he can help them turn it around, but I just feel like he's in a really tough spot there. Yeah, I think it'll be tough to turn around, but I think you're
1: right. Just coming from that San Antonio Spurs background, I think hopes are high. Um, I think I'm probably on board with you. I haven't really read a ton about him or heard a lot about him. I know last year I remember – Hearing his name surfacing in a lot of the coaching searches. So I know he's been on the NBA head coaching radar for a while. Yeah. Um, He's been an assistant coach since 2003. Uh, I think the nice thing with him, though, is he spent so much time with San Antonio and he's won two championships with San Antonio as an assistant coach. So they're getting somebody who has been there and done that. Like he knows what it
0: takes to be a championship. Uh, How to build a championship team. So for sure, that's we'll see how that
1: goes. I think he's going to be a good coach for him, though. I just don't know what you do with that roster. Yeah, that's kind of my biggest
0: thing. And I mean, hopefully, I mean, you'd think obviously uh, they have Mitch Kupchak there too, and management is going to know that it's kind of a bad spot. I'd imagine that they're going to give him quite a bit of leeway as far as, hey, look. We want you to do a great job, but we're going to give you the pieces. We're going to make some changes here to help you get in a spot to succeed before we're too hard evaluating you. You know, things like that. I, I could see them giving some leeway there. Um, there's some pieces I like in Charlotte. Um, honestly, I, I love Kemba Walker. He's one of my favorite players um, outside of the Jazz. Um, so we'll see what yeah. they do. I mean, there's rumors that Kemba could be traded before the start of next season, too. So.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that's the big thing with them is I, can, I can envision them pretty quickly just tearing it all down and saying hey you're a brand new head coach here's a bunch of young players we're going to rebuild
0: yeah for sure Um,
1: it it wouldn't shock me if over free agency type period or even around the draft if charlotte was one of the teams who made some sort of blockbuster trade to get more young assets and get another high pick
0: yeah for sure and then last of all last one that's been named as of this recording um is lloyd pierce uh, my biggest impression with him is that, you know, since he's had all this time with, uh, you know, going through the process with Philadelphia, um, that could be really good for Atlanta. I mean, he's kind of experienced the lows of, of being a bad team that's rebuilding and trying to fight through young players and, and fight through the, you know, the morale that, that kind of goes south with a bunch of losses. So I think that he'll have good experience for what Atlanta is looking for. I think that that's going to be good for him. Yeah, Lloyd Pierce is one I'm really intrigued by. Um Philadelphia, he was our main defensive
1: assistant, mm-hmm. and they were, I think, fourth in the in defensive rating. Um, and when he did his interview, he said, if I wasn't here doing this press conference, we'd probably be in the gym practicing defense. <laughs> so he, he definitely has a defensive mindset, and with a young team like that, I think that's something they need. Yeah. Uh, if they can just get it drilled in their head, like, hey, defense first. We're going to hang our hat on the defensive side of the ball. And the offense will come. He'll have a lot of young players to work with. They already have uh, John Collins, who I really like. Torian Prince, I really liked. Um, and they have the number three pick, which a lot of people think they're going to pick someone like Marvin Bagley. So he's going to have good pieces to work with, but I think he's going to focus a lot on defense with which. which yeah. I think it's gonna make them a better
0: team. Yeah, for sure. You know the fun thing about the Eastern Conference, you know, we talk so much about how the Western Conference as a whole um usually dominates the Eastern Conference, uh which I, I think is pretty obvious. But the fun thing about the Eastern Conference is that, you know, you get a new coach in there and maybe you know the right mantra or the right uh you know, the right message to these young players. And you could see the Eastern Conference standings just shuffle completely. I mean, you could have a team that was a lottery team all of a sudden, you know, be the 7th or 8th seed in the East. Like, there could be a lot of fluctuation in the Eastern Conference, and that kind of makes it exciting to think about next year. You know, maybe um, Charlotte or maybe New York or maybe even, this would be a stretch, or maybe even Atlanta. They have a new coach in there, and all of a sudden they surpass expectations. I mean, there's room for teams that you wouldn't think as being very good as sneaking into the playoffs with just a little bit of a spark of life put into them, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. They're a lot less predictable in the West. Yeah. It's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um and then real fast, you know, just want to touch on a few little things of NBA news along with these coaching hires. Um, one of the big ones that was circling was the rumors that Carl Anthony Towns the Minnesota Timberwolves um, was experiencing some unrest with the Timberwolves organization. To be honest, John, I think this has been blown out of proportion a little bit. You know, I think the comments on the on the podcast, on, on the low podcast, was um, that, you know, there, there was a little bit of maybe disagreement or unrest, as they said. And I think that people kind of ran with that. Oh, man, is, is, oh, man where's it going to get traded and, you know, all that. But I guess what's your take on that? I mean, what do you think about Towns and the Timberwolves? What's kind of your view of this whole situation?
1: Um, I think the first thing is they are never trading Carl
0: Anthony Towns that's yeah. not going to happen they would they would trade the other players before they trade him yeah. um, I mean if there's unrest I don't know if
1: it would be with the coaches or the players um, I think that would be the first thing you have to find out because if, if there's unrest with Andrew Wiggins um, or maybe Jimmy Butler coming in and taking over it's kind of the leader um, and he feels like that should be his role I
0: mean you just you trade those players before you trade him you get rid of them yeah. Uh, you're, you're not, this is your franchise center. He has proven to
1: be potentially probably top 10 player in the NBA. Um, the other question is maybe it's Tibbs. I, we've seen a lot of players who just don't mesh well with Tom Thibodeau. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not going to lie, I've been off the Thibodeau bandwagon for a long time. I don't really view him as a great coach. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was an issue. And if it was, I would expect Minnesota to move on from them quickly.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. That was my first reaction was, I mean, get rid of Tibbs before you get rid of uh, Car anthony Towns. And I feel like you saw at times this year that Towns, and, and really the Timberwolves as a whole, they looked defeated. They looked run ragged. We know very well how Thibodeau likes to do things as far as playing his starters' huge minutes. Um, yeah. Again, like if you talk about the difference that a coach can make,
1: I just feel like that's the type of team who, if you were to replace him with kind of a young, up-and-coming, energetic, very charismatic coach, I think that would just spark new life into that young team and would make them better than they are right
0: now. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that uh, about Cat that makes him so valuable too is he's still um, on his rookie contract, obviously, so still extremely affordable, especially for the production you're getting. It uh, would be absolutely foolish to part ways with him, especially with some of the other big contracts they have, like the Wiggins one. Um, the other bit of big news um, that's going around um, is that the Dallas Mavericks are reportedly eyeing you know a few big men that are pretty big names? Sounds like they are really hoping to get you know DeMarcus Cousins, Julius Randle, or DeAndre Jordan. Um, for my first reaction was kind of funny. They're going after DeAndre Jordan again because of um, obviously the huge circus that happened last time. They thought they had DeAndre Jordan, um, but I guess you know we know the Mavs are looking to end the tanking phase. That they want to make some moves to be competitive again. What do you make of this whole situation? I
1: think it's just kind of what. Dallas Mavericks are known for at this point. They're Every offseason, they're very, very active over the big-name free agents. They're in Texas. They're a bigger market. Because of the way taxes are set up in that state, they can offer – it'll be the same amount of a contract, but less of it is going to get taxed. So yeah. more of it goes to the player's pocket.
0: Make more money. Yeah, um, yeah so it is enticing. I just – Their ownership, their
1: coach, they're not a team who I ever expect to rebuild. They've been very vocal about not wanting to rebuild. Um, Even last year when they really struggled, I felt like it was admirable the way they played games. They clearly didn't have the talent on their roster to win, but they never looked like they were just giving up. They were never, they weren't doing like
0: what Phoenix is doing and just like completely resting and shutting down players. For or no Memphis. They, or Memphis, yeah. Uh, I
1: mean, they still tried repeatedly in those games. So it's not surprising me that they're going after these big names. Um, the, the one jazz angle to this is we talked about how Derek Favors is going to have a lot of interesting decisions this off season, mm-hmm. And uh, I'm pretty sure you brought this up last game. That no, last, last week, <laughs> that the one way I can see Derek Favors not staying with the Jazz is if there's some team out there who is probably a rebuilding team who's willing to give him a one-year, really lucrative contract. Like kind of like the Contavious Caldwell Pope in the Lakers last year. And Dallas, I believe, was the team we brought up. And if they're going after players of this high profile – It sounds like if they get any one of them, Derek Favors is not going
0: there, which increases the chances that the Jazz are going to be able to retain him. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, you can look at it, I feel like, two ways. One, you can look at it, well, if the Mavericks are targeting these three guys, then maybe Favors isn't, I mean, obviously not super high on their priority list. Or you could look at it as, you know, the Mavericks are obviously looking for big men, and if they miss on all these guys, uh, then there's probably a good chance that, that Derek's one of their fallback plans. But, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the Mavericks have kind of had some bad luck with going for big-name free agents in the past. We'll see if they can have some luck this year. Um, Speaking of DeMarcus Cousins, this is just a silly notification that came up on my phone today, Um, but I guess he liked a comment, I believe, on Instagram about how the Pelicans should give him a max contract and all that. I just And I think
1: think it was a couple days ago. This is like, this tells you that NBA, like, we're scraping the barrel for things to pay attention to other than the playoffs but there was another thing the other day where he unfollowed the Pelicans on Instagram. so I don't know like it sounds like Boogie maybe something's going
0: on there with him yeah for sure and, I mean the Mavericks have the cap space if they wanted to extend him that kind of offer they could do it um, honestly this is a whole other subject we won't dive in too deep on it but I don't think the Pelicans should give him a max contract. I think they should let him walk before doing that because they've proven how, yeah, how good <laughs> they were. I looked really good. Mm-hmm. I don't
1: think there's really a need for them to retain him.
0: Yeah. Whereas, I mean, we'll see. I mean, Boogie is an excellent talent. If you were to go to, say, a Dallas, I mean, does that help them become, you know, a threat at all in the West? Or do they become Sacramento Kings 2.0, <laughs> where you say, have Boogie? Yeah, yeah where you yeah, have Boogie on your Sacramento team, better. but you're not any better. You know what I mean? So it can be really interesting to see where he ends up and, and what that ends up meaning, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And I mean, Sacramento. I think the Achilles injury scares a lot of people off, but yeah, no, Sacramento. Sorry, i meant in Dallas. Um, got but you. they took on Wes Matthews when he had a torn Achilles, so um, they've been willing to take on players like that in the past. And I mean, obviously. DeMarcus Cousins is a generational talent. I think there's a lot of things off the court and about his behavior that are unsettling and turn people off. But just in terms of basketball, he is a dominant, dominant player. For sure. And I mean, be—I don't think I would ever want the Jazz to have him because of his attitude. But if he came to the Jazz, I mean, you would expect him to score – 26 points get 12 rebounds two blocks a game i mean just the type of production that he brings is just extremely valuable to anybody the question is just can he do it with that achilles injury or is he gonna revert back to how we've seen a lot of players over after an injury like that
0: yeah those are very good points so and i don't
1: think at the max contract that would really scare me with the player coming back from an achilles injury
0: yeah that's another valid point for sure but awesome. Well, I think John, that's going to do it for for show today. Um, good chatting about the Jazz, catching about the NBA and everything. Guys, make sure you're following John on Twitter. Um, his handle is John underscore Kiefer. Uh, make sure you're keeping up with the podcast as well. It's at Three P Threat Podcast. Um, be sure to catch all our stuff we write as well on the J Notes at the J Notes. Uh, John, thanks again for joining, man. Looking forward to to do another show with you next week.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun talking about the Jack and Free Agency.
0: Yeah, coming up quick on us. It's going to be for it's going to make for a fun summer with those things coming up. So, again, yeah, it, yep, awesome. Well, anyway, until next time guys, have a good one.